Um, it's great, great to be with you guys here today. <clears throat> Whoops. Typical. Um, we, uh, we, were, we were able to do a jail ministry last weekend. We're involved in the, what's known as the Residence Encounter Christ, a rec ministry. And uh, it, it's just, it's always a blessing. What, what a great door that God has opened for us to be able to go into the jails, a team of about 20 of us, and just share what God has done in our lives and encourage these, uh, these, we went to the women's facility and just encourage them to put their trust in the Lord. And uh, as I, I always like at the end of the weekend to just kind of ask and say, hey, how many of you trusted Jesus for the very first time? You got saved this weekend. And I'll tell you, at, at least 10 of them raised their hands out of 25. And so what a blessing it is to, uh, to, to see that happen. And uh, it's, it's really not us. We're just a bunch of crazy wackos. You know, I, I, I tell people, you know, they look at me kind of funny when I tell them I'm going to go to the jail for the weekend. <laughs> and I, I say to them, look, I'm going into the, the, this ministry with a group of about 20 people that want to spend the weekend in jail. Now, that crew's got to be kind of crazy anyway, but we always have an awesome time. And God just blesses tremendously. And I, I think it's because we're just simply committed to do what Jesus told us to do. Remember when he left, he said to his disciples, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And then after that, he said, and I am with you always. Now, I understand that the Lord is everywhere all the time, but I think there's a special presence of the Lord when we are involved in just going and doing what he told us to do, which is to preach the gospel. And that's very evident in those weekends. And the, the, the presence of the Lord is just an indication of the fact that the Holy Spirit is there. The Holy Spirit is the Lord's presence in our time here today. And so um, I'm, I'm also involved in the rec uh, board. Uh, and one of the things that I've been burdened for is that, you know, we try to teach these folks uh, to, to go out and to, to uh, you know, have their chains broken and, and live, live good godly lives and have good marriages and be good fathers and mothers and so on. But one thing that I noticed was that we, we really don't emphasize the fact that Jesus said, look, I have died and you're forgiven because of my death. But one of the main reasons Jesus died was to give us the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, he said, he's going to be your guide. He's going to be your strength. He's going to be the one that guides you into all things. He'll be the one that teaches you. And it's just a multitude of ministries that the Holy Spirit does. But we're not teaching them that. We're teaching them, go out and be good. Okay. You know, that's kind of like this. I, I've discovered, I, I want us to uh, focus today on living under the control of the Holy Spirit. And actually, the Lord put it on my heart to make a suggestion at, that we put one of these, a, a talk like this into the weekend so that these, uh, these new believers can begin to understand that it's not really their efforts and their good works that even get them 
going in the Lord and keep them going in the Lord. It's the power of the Holy Spirit living in their life, living through their life. And it's not them doing it, it's them yielding themselves over so that he can do it. And, you know, if, if the Holy Spirit's in control of our lives, he'll break the chains of addiction and uh, all kinds of evil sin in our lives. If the Holy Spirit is in control, he'll guide us to be the kind of fathers and the kind of mothers and the kind of, uh, have the kind of marriage that God desires us to have. The Holy Spirit, if we just learn to let him be in control, it's, that's the way God intended it to be. I, the way I look at it is there's, there's two ways to go through the Christian life. The first one is to let the Holy Spirit control it and, and guide our lives, just take full control and lead us. The second one is we try to do it. Which do you think will work out better? it's kind of like this you know we can go in the power of our own human strength for a while let's say some can go for a long time but you know i i look at it like it's kind of like being being the the uh energizer bunny there i mean you can you can go in that battery power for a while but eventually what happens i don't care what kind of battery you got eventually it dies right eventually it loses power and it dies Having the Holy Spirit in control is like being plugged into these wall sockets over here. There's just a constant flow of energy that comes from him, and it's not from inside you, it's from outside, and, and God produces it inside of us. So I'd like us to just consider some of the things that, um, well, th these are sort of thoughts that I brought for that talk, and I'd like for us to even uh, consider this now as our, uh, as our thought for today. So I'd like to look at some, just some key scriptures that have to do with the Holy Spirit. And one of them has to do with Jesus' name. Um, that is Jesus Christ. So I'm going to go to the next slide. I got a question for you all. What does Christ mean? I know it's kind of a simple question. Okay, it means Messiah. You're right. What does that mean? Okay, somebody said it. Uh, I'll give you a little hint. Uh, the next one is it's not Jesus' last name, okay? <laughs> it's just not. Um, what it does mean is anointed. That's what Christ actually means. It means anointed. So what was Jesus anointed with? Well, we find the answer to that in God's word. In, in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, it says, And how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. So he's basically showing us Jesus, you could call him anointed. That could be his last name. Jesus anointed, and he's anointed with the Holy Spirit. Now, what are we called? Come on, folks. What, what are we called as believers, as followers of Jesus? What are we called? Christians, okay? So implied in that is that we are anointed with the same anointing 
And Jesus, you, you could call us uh, anointed deans, I guess, if you wanted to. Um, you probably wouldn't want to, but um, you know, I, I would like to go through and just kind of go through some basic stuff about the Holy Spirit that the Bible teaches. I know some of you might know this, but some of it might be new to, to some of you. So first of all, what must I do to become a Christian, to have that same anointing that Jesus had? Well, John 3, 1 through 7, very familiar passage to most of us, but let me just go through it because it's, it's interesting. It says, there was a man of the Pharisees. I know you're going to have to squint for some of these, but um, his name was Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. He was uh, what we would consider maybe a bishop uh, or a cardinal. I mean, he was up there in the religious ranks. If anybody was to know God, Nicodemus was to know God. He came to Jesus by night, probably because he didn't want anybody to see him with Jesus. And he said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God was with him. Well, what were they seeing? They were seeing the manifestation of the Spirit of God upon the anointed one. And he was just saying, how do you do this? You must be from God. And so Jesus cuts right through everything and he says, look, if you want to know how I can do these things, he says, here's, here's what you need to do. He says, most surely I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So in other words, the reason you can't understand this, Nicodemus, is that you are not born again, or as Jesus defined it, born of the spirit. Uh, he says, you need to be born of a spirit uh, you need to have the Spirit of God come and begin indwelling you. Then you will see, and the word see in that, that scripture isn't, doesn't imply physically seeing it with our eyes. It means see with the, the idea of understanding. In other words, when I explain something to you, I, I would say, do you see what I mean? That's what Jesus said. He said, if you are not born again, you cannot see, you cannot understand anything about the kingdom of God. But the opposite is true. If we are born again, we do see, we do understand the things of the kingdom of God. And so Nicodemus, in his natural state, said, how can I be born again? Do I need to climb back up into my mother and be born a second time? You know, it was funny because I was at work not too long ago talking to this fella about, I said, you, you know, the Bible says we need to be born again. And he said the exact thing, what, he, he was from Poland, he said, what do you mean I get back in my mother? <laughs> yeah, it was fun, it, it, it was great. I said, yeah, that's the same thing the guy said in the Bible, you know, you should read it. And so uh, it was pretty cool. He's a pretty cool guy, I like him. But anyway, um, Jesus said, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. He says, do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. So we must be born of the spirit. I hope that everyone has done this. You know, I did that almost 40 years ago, and wow. What a difference it made in my life. I, I mean, I was born and raised in the church and went to church every Sunday, went to uh, religious school all through high school and everything. I never once heard that Jesus said, 
you must be born again or you cannot understand or enter into the kingdom of God. Never, I must have been absent that day. I don't know. But uh, I never heard it. But I was so glad that, um, that I, I, someone came to me and shared that simple truth that I just needed to be born again and I could enter into God's family, be born into God's family and enter into his kingdom. So what happens after that? It's not just being born again. Um, what, what are we then commanded to do? So after that, we're, we're commanded to be filled with the Spirit. So um, how does that, you know, here's a little scripture that, that talks about that in Ephesians chapter 5. It says, therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. This is part of God's will for every believer you know, sometimes we walk around saying, gee, I wonder what God's will is for my life. Here's part of it. it. I believe this is an essential part of it. He says, understand this. This is the will of God for your life. Don't be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation or just, uh, just a, a desire for just all kinds of evil living. But be filled with the Spirit. And one thing I do know about being drunk with wine because way back before I knew Jesus, I call it my BC days. When you're drunk with wine, it, it's under, you're under its control, right? You're under the influence, so to speak. And they still use that terminology today. God wants us in that same way to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit, letting him take control of our lives. You know, I don't know, some of you, I hope you've never experienced it, but some of you probably have. When you're drunk, you say and do things that you probably wouldn't have done if you weren't drunk, right? Come on, folks. <laughs> right? Okay, so God says in that way that, 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 that people would want to be under the influence of alcohol or drugs, let the Holy Spirit fill you and control you. We're also commanded in the word of God to walk in the spirit or to live spirit-led lives. That's what the, the idea of walking with the Lord is. It's, it means how we live our lives. And in uh, Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 26, we are given some instructions. And I think they're very... Uh, very practical instructions, and uh, I'm going to go through this passage just so that we can kind of see what's the difference between living in the control of our human sinful nature and living under the control of the Spirit of God. I think it's, it's important for us to understand the difference. Okay, so let's go through this section of Scripture in Galatians chapter 5. And why don't we say these, these together so that we can uh, let it sink into our hearts. So let's, let's say them together. So I say, live by the Holy Spirit's power. Then you will not do what your desires controlled by sin want you to do. The desires controlled by sin do not want what the Spirit delights in. And the spirit does not want what the desires controlled by sin delight in. The two are at war with each other. That's why you are not supposed to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the authority of the law. 
the result of sin's control in our lives is clear. It includes sexual sins, impure acts, and wild living. It includes worshiping statues of gods and worshiping evil powers. It also includes hatred and fighting, jealousy and fits of anger. Sinful desire is interested only in getting ahead. It stirs up trouble. It separates people into their own little groups. It wants what others have. It gets drunk and takes part in wild parties. It does many things like that. I warn you now, as I did before, people who live like this will not receive God's kingdom. But the fruit of the Spirit produces is love, joy, and peace. It is being patient, kind, and good. It is being faithful and gentle and having control of oneself. There is no law against things of that kind. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed their sinful desires to his cross. They don't want these things anymore. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become proud. Let us not make each other angry. Let us not want what belongs to others. So, Father, we want to come to you realizing, Lord, that this is the way of life that you've called us to. And, Lord, it's so easy to fall into just our default, our default mold with, mode, which is to live under our old nature. Lord, it's, it's a natural to us. But I pray that today the Holy Spirit would be our teacher and our guide and would, would speak to each of our hearts so that we would understand this great, great treasure that we have that's available to us. Lord, the devil wants to keep us from this at all costs because he knows a spirit-filled Christian is his worst enemy. So I pray, I pray, God, that today you would open our hearts our minds, and Lord, help us not only to receive what we have been shown here in your word, but that we would actually respond to it by just giving our lives totally to you, Lord. So we, we lift this up to you, Lord. Give me the words and the wisdom to be able to relate these truths in a way that would have an impact on our lives. Amen. So that passage right there kind of gives us a good idea of how to begin to discern what's going on in our life and to be, dis be able to say, either my life is under the control of the Holy Spirit right now or it's under the control of the flesh, the old sinful nature. So it, let's go to the next uh, slide. Here's, here's something that I think we, we really need to begin to understand. It's really helped me in my uh, just daily uh, walk, my, my understanding of what, what the Christian life is all about. How can we learn to live under the control of the Holy Spirit? And the first thing that we need to remember is that the flesh is at war with the Spirit. Okay, 
when we get saved, when we get born again, God puts the Holy Spirit inside of us. But guess what's also inside of us? The flesh, the old nature. That's what the, the Bible talks about when it talks about the flesh. It's the sinful nature that we inherited from Adam. So that's still in there. And the Bible says that these two war inside of us and we get to choose who is going to take control. Let's, let's uh, take a look at this in Galatians 5.17. It says, the desires controlled by sin do not want what the Spirit delights in. And the Spirit does not want what the desires controlled by sin delight in. The two are at war with each other. And that's why you're not supposed to do whatever you want. Remember what Jesus, his, his whole purpose in life. He said, I didn't come to do my will. He said, I've come to do the will of him that sent me. And I remember before I got saved, I had no desire at all to do what God wanted. That was my purpose was to do what I wanted. Hey man, this is my life. I'm going to do what I feel like doing. And I, I did a lot of it. And it led to misery. It led to heartache. led to disappointment. But when I got saved, the first thing I realized is I want to do God's will for my life. I've messed up enough. I want God's plan for my life. I want to know what he wants me to do. I had that desire to do the will of God. Uh, many of you, if you're, if you're of an, uh, my generation, will know what this next picture is all about. Okay, remember this? I was kind of bummed out. I heard Mad Magazine is, is closing the doors. They're going under. But uh, this was a little, a little portion of Mad Magazine, and it was called Spy versus Spy. And it was just like in every magazine, they'd have a spy versus spy little, little section. And, um, you know, they'd all have, the, they'd, they'd have this little uh, thing going on where one of them would try to get the other. And I was always rooting for the, the, for the white one. I don't know, you know, probably now I'd be considered a racist, you know, and, uh, you know, for, for rooting for the white guy. But, um, you know, let's not go, let it go any further than that. Um, <clears throat> it's crazy, isn't it? These days. Uh, but, you know, I was always rooting for that, that white guy. And, you know, I think about that's, that's the spirit of God living inside us. And, and let's root for the spirit of God to win out in our everyday activities and so there is a war going on just like that spy versus spy cartoon um, so I, I would like to just kind of go through some of these things and I, I wrote all these out in the in the powerpoint but i realized there might be a little bit hard to see but let me just go through them and um, I, I think it'll it'll help us understand some of the practical ways of uh, of learning to live under the control of the spirit First of all, I think the thing we need to do is recognize what it is like to be under the control of the sin nature, okay? And God gives us a pretty good description of it. It's not a complete description. There's other things that can be added to this, okay? But it's a, it's a good idea, it's a good smattering of things that if we see these things happening in our life, we can pretty much bet that we're under the control of that old sin nature, um, and, and, and we need to learn to recognize what is it like to be controlled by the sin nature. And that's given in Galatians 5, 19 through 21. It says the result of sin's control in our lives is clear. 
It includes sexual sins, impure acts, and wild living. It includes worshiping statues of gods or idolatry, worshiping evil powers, witchcraft, or demon worship. It also includes hatred and fighting, jealousy and fits of anger. You know, I was really amazed when I saw in the Bible that being angry at, you know, without having the right kind of anger was a sin. And so it was like, wow, God, I mean, you know, that's sin. And it's, it's kind of like sometimes we just need to let the word of God show us where our, our faults are, where the, the, the sin nature is controlling our lives. It says sinful desire is interested only in getting ahead. It stirs up trouble. It separates people into their own little groups. It wants what others have. It gets drunk and takes part in wild parties. And it does many things of that kind. So, as I said, this isn't a complete list. And as you study through the Word of God, uh, the, word of the, the Lord will reveal if there's any other areas that He wants to kind of pinpoint and say, hey, I want this out of your life. I want control of you in this area. Because, you know, there's so many things that, as I, as I said before, the, the sinful nature is our default. It's our default mode. We go there naturally. I have often found that my first reaction to some situation is usually in the flesh. I see a big long line in the grocery store. Oh. Okay, there's a traffic jam. Oh, come on, you know, the horn and everything. You know, it's just, that's, that's the way we are. It's the way we naturally respond. And so I think what we need to do is just learn to check ourselves and maybe take a step back, bite our tongue, and, you know, and that's a, an easy example, okay? That's a, a relatively minor example. But there's a lot more situations where we just need to realize that our first response is probably going to be in the flesh. And just learn to stop it there. Let's, let's kind of go through these, these real quickly. And, and one of the things I, I really just want to point out is that the first thing God recognizes that's part of the flesh is he says sexual sins. And I think what we need to do is realize that, especially men, in this day with the proliferation of online porn, pornography, we just need to realize how horrible a temptation that is. And we need to just do everything we can to just cut that out of our lives. Because I guarantee you, you go into there and the Holy Spirit is grieved beyond measure. And he'll, you know, he'll be trying to get you to repent of that. And so it's just such a, an easy temptation to fall into. And I pray that we'll all resist that temptation and not allow it to just short circuit the Holy Spirit's power in our lives but it's it, it it goes more than that you know sometimes we look at the overt sins like sexual immorality like drunkenness like uh, addiction to drugs and so on but you know the, the the flesh is just as comfortable with what i call the covert sins the the, the sins of becoming real religious you know I, I i've discovered have you ever noticed in the bible that jesus worst enemies were the religious folks, were the folks that 
they were doing all the things that they were supposed to do in their church or in their their religion and because of that they hated jesus because jesus said no it's not what you do it's what i do for you it's my work that counts it's not your religious works and so those kind of things are uh, the covert ways that the flesh just kind of lets you know takes control and what I've noticed in my life uh, many times and perhaps in yours is that we can try to live the Christian life in the power of the flesh. You know, I've, I've often told people, I say, you know what we try to do when we get saved instead of putting the old nature or the Adamic nature to death, the, the nature that we receive from Adam, you know what we do? We try to polish up Adam, Okay polish them up real good. I'm going to be the best person I can be. <laughs> you know, I'm going to be the best Christian ever. You know, I'm going to bring my money in there and I'm going to serve and I'm going to do this, do that. And, that. and that works for a while, but you know what? That gets wearisome after a while. And you know what else I've seen is that uh, those who are really good at polishing up Adam, they become very judgmental. You ever notice that? Well, uh, I am such a wonderful Christian. I mean, that person would never, uh, that church would never do that. And they become very judgmental and critical of other believers and so on. I mean, if, if the flesh is in control, that's what manifests eventually. So anyways, let's, let's move on. Secondly, so learn to recognize what it's like to be under the control of the flesh. Secondly, determine to let the Holy Spirit produce His fruit in your life okay it says but the fruit of the spirit produces is love joy and peace it is being patient kind and good it is being faithful and gentle and having control of oneself there is no law against these things things of that kind uh you know the it, it is so much better isn't it i think this is the abundant life that jesus spoke of he says, I've come, the, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He says, I've come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Now, think about it in this way. Here's the, the next picture. I, I put a little illustration here of the fruit of the Spirit. It's a nice, beautiful fruit tree producing all kinds of fruit. And the fruit that uh, the Holy Spirit wants to produce in our life, love, joy, peace, gentleness, patience, long-suffering, kindness, faithfulness, and so on. Now, think of what all of your relationships in life would be like if the fruit of the Spirit were being manifested in all of those relationships. They'd be pretty good, huh? Our relationships with our husbands and wives and with our children and with our co-workers and so on, when love and joy and peace and faithfulness and goodness and kindness are, are just manifested, that, that's a pretty good, pretty good relationships, right? Now, let's look at the, the uh, works of the flesh and the next tree. That's kind of what that produces. Um, and think about what relationships are like when there's lasciviousness or lustfulness or hatred or strife or murders or idolatry or witchcraft or drunkenness or adultery and wrath and fornication not good relationships right i mean when that's 
being produced in your life. You got lousy relationships. Most of the time, they're broken homes and broken lives and so on. So which would you rather have? The fruit of the Spirit, that nice, wonderful uh, uh, fruit of, of just godly living, or the works of the flesh? I, I like the way God puts it there. He says, the works of the flesh. I mean, that's what we produce, okay? When we are in control. It says the fruit of the Spirit. We don't really produce that. We just let Him produce it through us, don't we? So He'll produce the love, the joy, and the peace. You say, I can't do that. You're right, you can't. God says, I can. I can do it. Let's let Him do it through us. Okay, so learn to let the Holy Spirit produce His fruit in our lives. Next, we need to think of ourselves as being dead to whatever sin or temptation we're struggling with. Think of ourselves as being dead. I, I know that many of us would, would know this, and I've heard it uh, done before. It's like uh, we, we, we're struggling with something, and we say, oh, I'm trying to die to this. I'm trying to die to this. Now think about it. Is it easier to try to die or to be dead? Okay, it's, it's subtle, but it's important to understand. I mean, if I were trying to die, that'd be a miserable life. I just want to try to die, try to die, try to die. But if I was dead, I wouldn't be trying anything. I'd just be dead. Nothing would impact me. I wouldn't have to try to be dead. I would be dead. God doesn't say try to die to these things. God says, recognize you are dead dead already it's a huge difference i remember many times when you know circumstances would uh, come about and i'd really feel like either saying or doing something that i knew i would regret and have to apologize for and so on sometimes i would just go into my room or someplace private and I would fold my arms like this i would just say lord i know i am dead i am dead to this and, and what I found was that what, all of that emotion or anger or whatever would just kind of dissipate when I was just saying, I am dead. I did, that, that doesn't have to impact me like, like it is right now. Do you know what I also noticed, or I discovered anyway, is that when we reckon ourselves to be dead, that gives us the Holy Spirit opportunity to bring about the resurrection life of Jesus Christ, the resurrection power and to let him begin to take control. You see, we have to die in order to experience the resurrection life. And if we will just reckon ourselves as dead in those situations, I believe right after that, the Holy Spirit can take control and manifest his fruit in that situation. In Romans chapter six, let me just read this for you. It says, we died with Christ, so we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ was raised from the dead and will never die again. Death doesn't control him anymore. When he died, he died once for all time. And he did this to break the power of sin. 
I believe that if we will reckon ourselves to be dead, we can break the power of sin in our lives. The, the Holy Spirit can do that for us. He says, now that he lives, he lives in the power of God. In the same way, consider yourselves to be dead as far as sin is concerned. Not try to die to it, consider yourself dead. Let's look at one, just it's the continuation of that passage. And uh, why don't we read this together, um, if you can see it right. It says, so don't let sin rule your body, which is going to die. Don't obey its evil desires. Don't give any part of yourself to serve sin. Don't let any part of yourself be used to do evil. Instead, give yourselves to God. You have been brought with, from death to life. So give every part of yourself to God to do what is right. Sin will no longer control you like a master. That's because the law does not rule you. God's grace has set you free. I really think that this is a key right here. If we just reckon ourselves to be dead, say, God, take control. God, bring about the resurrection power in my life. We will see amazing things happen. God will transform our lives. All right, there's a couple more things that I want us to, to just kind of look at. First of all, learn to recognize what it's like to be controlled by the flesh. Determine to let the Holy Spirit produce his fruit in your life. Think of yourself as being dead to whatever sin or temptation you're struggling with. Next, pray and ask for the Holy Spirit to take control. Ask the Holy Spirit. And I found this, this portion of scripture in Luke chapter 11 to be very interesting because um, in, in one passage that he talks about, he says, you know, ask and you'll receive. And then he says, you know, if you're good, uh, if you're evil and you know how to give good gifts to your children, well, doesn't God know how to give good gifts? But the next, the, a different passage in Luke chapter 11, well, let's just read it here. I'll read it to you. It says, Here's what Jesus said. So here's what I say to you. Ask and it will be given to you. Search and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Everyone who asks will receive. The one who searches will find. And the door will be opened to the one who knocks. Then he says, fathers, suppose your son asks for a fish. Which of you will give him a snake instead? Or suppose he asks for an egg. Which of you will give him a scorpion? Even though you are evil, you know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father who is in heaven give what? The Holy Spirit to them who ask him. Now, I understand we've been born of the Spirit. The Spirit lives inside of us. But the Spirit is not always in control of us, is he? I wish he was. I wish he'd just take full control, but he... Let's, that, let's us have that decision. He lets us make the choice if he's going to be in control. And I, I just want to look at this for a minute. First of all, Jesus said, look, you need to ask, you need to knock, you need to really seek this out. You really need to seek to have the Holy Spirit's control within your life. Secondly, he talks about children asking their fathers for something. Okay? They're not asking them for iPhones. They're not asking them for, you know, the latest Nintendo game. What are they asking for? They ask for an egg, okay? They, they ask for a fish. In another uh, illustration that Jesus he said, um, 
You know, if your child asks for a, a piece of bread, will you give him a stone? If you ask for an egg, we give him a, a snake or a serpent or a scorpion or whatever. But what's this child asking for? What's, what's, a, what's bread? What's eggs? What's food. How often do we need food? Every day, right? At several times a day. What does food do for us? Nourish it, okay, but what does it give us? Energy, strength, okay? It gives us the energy we need to be able to do the things we do in the physical realm, right? You don't eat food for a few days and you're not going to have very much strength, right? In the same way, I really believe we need the energy that only the Spirit of God can give to us. And so I don't think it's wrong for us to say, God, I need the power of the Holy Spirit in my life right now. Lord, help me to deal with this situation, not in my own strength, but in the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, ask, keep seeking, keep knocking, and it'll be given to you. So pray, begin to pray. Holy Spirit, take control. God, Fill me with your Holy Spirit. God, let the Holy Spirit be the one who guides me. And so finally, the last thing that we need to do is just rest confident. In confident assurance that God will be faithful to give you the help, strength, and power to do his will. God will be faithful. And look at this, what it says in 1 John chapter 5, 14 and 15. It says, here is what we can be sure of when we come to God in prayer. If we ask anything in keeping with what he wants, he hears us. If we know that God hears what we ask for, we know that we have it. Now, what is the will of God, according to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18? To be filled with the Spirit to be continually filled with the Spirit. So we're asking God to do what He wants to do in our lives anyway. But He's waiting for us many times to ask. Sometimes it's what James said, we have not because we ask not. And we're so, it's such a natural thing to, to react or respond in the power of the flesh that we just don't even realize, I'm missing out. I'm missing out on the power of the Spirit of God. All right, so basically, let's just go through these real quick and I'll review it with you. The next one says, um, how do we walk in the Spirit? First of all, learn to recognize what it's like to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. You can go to the next slide. Um, secondly, determine to let the Holy Spirit produce His fruit in your life. Learn what the fruit of the Spirit is. Say, God, I want your love. God, I want your joy. God, I want your peace. You know, if you look up all of these things and you study them out, it's things that Jesus already gave to us. He says, my peace I've given to you, not like the world gives. He says, I want you to love people like I've loved you. He's already given it to us. He's, he says, my joy I give to you. No man can take it away. But you know what happens? We sometimes just neglect it. We let the devil steal it from us. Finally, he says, think of yourself as being dead. Wow, what a key that is. Look at Romans chapter 6. Look through Romans chapter 6 when, when you get a chance. 
I, I was encouraged when I was a young believer to memorize all of Romans chapter 6. I encourage you to maybe take, take that into consideration. Pray and ask the Holy Spirit to take control. Rest confident that God will be faithful to give you the help and strength that he needs, that you need to do his will. And then finally, learn to serve others instead of selfish interests. Learn to serve You know, I, I think there's a lot of people that are really depressed and really uh, don't experience a, a wonderful life because they're so wrapped up in themselves. And what's, what's, it, what's in it for me kind of a thing. I have found that if I give myself to serve others, I get, I get joy. I get, I get all kinds of blessings when I'm just giving myself. One of the reasons why I, I do that jail ministry is because I get so much more out of it. You know, I really do. It's, it's you're just going there and giving yourself, and the more you give, the more God just pours into you. Amen? Amen. So, um, and if we go to the next passage, basically that whole scripture in Ephesians is premised or prefaced by this. It says, my brothers and sisters, you were chosen to be free, but don't use your freedom as an excuse to live under the power of sin. Instead, serve one another in love. You see, we can choose to live under the power of sin, but the alternative is serve someone in love. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, or to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. Uh, as we go to the next, next scripture, it says, the whole law is fulfilled by obeying this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. And finally, uh, if you say or do things that harm one another, watch out. You could end up destroying one another. You know, I, uh, I just felt like maybe as a, as a group here today, uh, we could just call out to God and say, God, this is what the, the greatest part of, of the Christian life, and I don't want to miss out on it. Let's pray together. Pray with me. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the sacrifice that Jesus made. Lord, we know he died so that not only we could be forgiven, but we could receive and be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Lord, help me to seek after that power and let the Spirit of God control my life each moment of each day from this day forward. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Pray that, pray a prayer like that every day, folks. And I just want to uh, just, just see, you know, I don't know where everybody's at right now. Maybe you were like me 40 years ago and just never even knew that Jesus said, you, you need to be born again. That's the only thing you need to do. And it's not something you have to do as a big religious ceremony. It's just something that you do in your heart. Where you open up your heart and you say, Jesus, I finally realize it. I get it. You died so that my sins could be forgiven. You died so that the Holy Spirit could again dwell in my heart. Lord, please forgive me. I believe you died. I believe you rose again.
If that's you, I would encourage you to pray that prayer. Pray that prayer. Ask the Lord to be your Savior. Ask Him for forgiveness. If you want to, uh, you know, someone to pray with you, we'll have some folks here afterwards um, to, to encourage you in that way. And even if there's something else, something going on in your life, hey, take advantage of the fact that there's people here that will agree with you that God's going to do something great. So we'll have the prayer team come up as I, as I close this out in prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you. Why don't we all stand? Lord, we want to thank you for just the wonderful, wonderful gift of the Holy Spirit. Lord, forgive us for grieving him so often in our lives. Lord, instead of grieving him, may we bless you and him by submitting ourselves to the power of the Holy Spirit. God, you want to do so many great things in our lives. So we, we ask for you to do this. And we pray, Lord, I pray for there's any here that don't know you as Savior and Lord, that you would do it. You would do that today in their lives. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. By the way, before we go, I, I, I was blessed yesterday sitting with Chris Merrick. And this is a good example of being uh, just led by the Holy Spirit. The building we're in right now, is a result of Chris obeying the Lord. When it seemed impossible, she, she, the Lord told her one day, go walk around this building. It wasn't even for sale. Walk around this building and put your hands on this building and claim it for the Lord. Amen. You know, And uh, I believe Peg Chick was kind of praying that same way. And uh, she told me that. And what a blessing that is. I mean, that's the result of being led by the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God will lead you to do awesome things to bless so many others. And you know where Chris is right now? She's in there praying for you. Amen? So she's still following the Lord's leadership. So God bless you. Take advantage of the prayer team that's up here, and we love to pray with you. God bless. Walk in the Spirit.